Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Francisco L. Borges and the Melville Charitable Trust. Faith, here with your welcome toast, it was H.S. Lee who said, If you wish to grow thinner, diminish your dinner, and take to light claret instead of pale ale. Look down with an utter contempt upon butter, and never touch bread till it's toasted or stale. I got that sunshine in my pocket, got that good soul in my feet, I feel that hot blood in my body when it drops. It's great to have you joining the party on the Faith Middleton Food Schmooze, inviting you to eat, drink, and be merry with us. I think we're going to have a good time on this show. We're going to read a note from one of our international listeners. A new thing we tried, smoked salmon with red wine. We try all kinds of crazy things in the test kitchen here at Gateway Community College in downtown New Haven and a cookbook that might surprise you. So Robin, before we bring the gang in, we just tried a red wine, happened to be in museum, which is one of my favorites, as you know, with smoked salmon. That's not supposed to go together. (laughs) But in Spain, they do that. So we tried it. It was fantastic. Did you like it? I did. I feel like people at brunch who don't know about this are missing out. They should be having red wine with their smoked salmon out on, like, the, out on the buffet. I know. You know, the question for me, is it Spanish red wine? Because their food is made to go with tapas. And so it seems to go with everything the way they do it. I don't know if every red wine would go with this, but wow, this really worked. Okay. My treasured food buddies are here. Senior contributors Chris Prosperi, Alex Province, Mark Raymond. Hey, everybody. Hey. Hey, Faith. Hey, Faith. We got this great email from Catherine, and she said, Hello, Faith. I am a Connecticut Yankee and faithful follower of your show. And I'm writing to you from Tuscany, Italy, on my long walks with our dog. I'm never alone, as I have you and your guests to keep me company. And what great company it is. Oh, that is the nicest thing. Thank you. As I listened to the buildup for our Thanksgiving show, I came away with this thought. How about a segment on your show to help me use less plastic wrap, less Ziploc bags, less aluminum in the kitchen. I do my part. I recycle what I can, but I would love some tips on how to do more to create less garbage. Catherine, it is so great to hear from you. Robin, is that the best? I love it when our listeners write to us and tell us about things they want us to talk about. And this is a really important topic. I would also like to use less plastic and less bags and wrap and all that kind of stuff. A few shows ago, we talked about the National Geographic issue devoted to plastics. I want to thank you, Robin, because you brought that in and said, you've got to read this. It changed me in my life. There were pictures... 
floating islands of plastic that were as big as practically a country. Mm-hmm. I was just so shocked, and I have been watching at home my plastic use. Before I read that particular magazine, I was patting myself on the back saying, well, I don't contribute to the problem because I recycle. I always take my plastics out and I don't throw bags in the bin. Then I realized when I started to pay attention to how much plastic I use in a day, it was staggering. Mm. With every task I did in the kitchen, I grabbed some plastic thing. I know. It's a real thing. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Catherine, writing to us as a listener from Tuscany in Italy, we adore that, um, want to say that we will really pay attention on this show and in our lives to how to use less of everything you say. Yeah, all of us. Coming up, there is a book that we have on the show, and it has to do with what we throw away in terms of food, the scraps. How do you use... (laughs) Funny word, even. (laughs) Scraps. Sounds so wonderful. (laughs) How do you use scraps? As Cooking with scraps is the technical name. How do you turn your peels, cores, rinds, and stems into delicious meals? So, Chris Prosperi, starting with you. Oh, yeah. This is what I do. My theory is, (laughs) knowing you Mm. as well as I do, I Uh, know that restaurant chefs have been doing this for a very long time. Make or break us. But why? Because it does. It makes or breaks us. And it's not just for us anymore in restaurants. It's for everyone. We throw so much food away. And using your scraps is definitely the best way to get a handle of that. Someone told me once that half the food we purchase, we throw away. Like what scraps are you uh, Celery ends, carrot, carrot peels, carrot tops. If you ever get a recipe here, uh, chopped scallions only use the greens. So you yeah, have this way. little two-inch pieces of, of scallion, which is in some people's mind scrap. But that's just a, an onion, and you can use that in any recipe. Bones, right? Yeah. Oh, bones. Uh, here, wait, you know what the biggest one I just did for the holiday? Holidays? How about Thanksgiving and turkey livers? Ooh. I made 15 pounds of turkey liverwurst, and we do it as sandwiches. Oh. And oh, my God. Oh. Pickled yeah. red onion, toasted rye bread, one oh. of the best lunch items in the winter for us. And wow. and for most people, that would be scrap. Throw it in the gravy or whatever. But, but it's great because oh, it's not beef for no. people who have to watch it. Yeah, and it's healthy and it's yummy. Yeah. Chicken it's liver. iron. It's just like chicken livers. Yeah. Yeah. So let me jump in and say that the author, Lindsay Jean Hard, is going to be with us in our next segment. So that's coming right up. Cooking with scraps. And... It's not necessarily a financial thing, though later in the show, we're going to have somebody who is working in an under-resourced community in Hartford, and he's going to tell us how using all these things in a healthful way is really helping the health outcomes of people. So this is going to be very cool. Can I give you my favorite scraps to use that I love to eat, not just serve in the restaurant, but I love to eat. Can we guess? No, (laughs) No. I want to learn from this. All right. Number one by far, broccoli stem kimchi. Right. Broccoli stem kimchi. kimchi. So what I do is I take the stem, and that's a big part of it, right? It can be yeah. half the and weight. And you pay for it, too. You pay for it. All right, so I take, a mess. I take a knife, and I take a little bit of that fibrous outside off the thicker part. Just get a little bit of it off. And then from the bottom end, working my way up to where the florets used to be, discs. I cut it into discs. 
then all you have to do how, it's, how big are those? It could like be an eighth of an inch thick. Okay. And then you just take a little bit of chili powder, or it can even be the chili pepper flakes mm-hmm. and some salt, and you just toss it in a bowl, and then I pack it in either a jar or a plastic container, and then I throw it in the back of the fridge and you let it sit in there for about a week. No Every, liquid? No liquid because the liquid's gonna come out of it. See, all you have to do to make this is every once in a while, just give it a good shake up and down, up and down. And it sort of mixes it. And I'm telling you, this stuff is Wait, what do you, really? how do you cook it? What it's do you co- no, no, with it's, it? it's sort of cooked like it is. It's kimchi, you mean so it's, it's like this. It ferments, ferments itself. itself. And oh my gosh, <gasps> these little discs are. No, you, wait. You can't just eat one. Wait. Oh my gosh, you didn't they're do, so good. put anything so salt, in there. No, salt pat- and, and cayenne or spicy yeah, chili. You know, and if you don't like it hot, just add a little bit. It is And then so, what do you do with it? Oh my gosh, you eat it with things. Like a, if you have a rice dish, you can just eat a little bit with it. You can put it on top of salmon. You know how banh mi, which became like a thing as a sandwich. So it's Vietnamese oh, originally. Yeah. They would have a special bread. You know, and they horizontally, they'd cut that grinder yeah. loaf open and put down various layers of different things. And one of them is fermented pickles. And they do a pate. And, you know, there's a protein on that thing. My turkey liverwurst on that. Oh, Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my God. All right, you ready for another one? So there's how you're using. That's that's one. The best one, though, and this one I got to stop doing because it's too good. So you know how many potatoes we peel a week? Just too many to even mention, right? Just tons. And you look at all those peels going to waste. So that's just not right. No way. What are you doing? We wash the potatoes. So the potato peels are good. They're not like dirty or anything. So I take them and I put them in salt water, really cold salt water, drain them out, let them dry. And even if it's for like an hour or two, just let them dry. I mean, some people would say pat them dry with a paper towel. I take a little bit of olive oil. Sprinkle it over the top with some salt and then whatever you want. If you want to make them flavored or mm. like curry powder or whatever. And then they go in a 400-degree oh, oven. I think I just found and, my and they favorite get crispy. Scrap. The key is is you want to mix them around a couple times while they bake. Otherwise, they'll just get become one part. solid. But that's not bad either. <laughs> it's like we're raiding the compost pile. Yeah, oh yeah so about 15, 10, 15 minutes, you know, tossing them maybe two times. They look like little spiral curls. And oh my God, they're so good. And I've got to stop eating That's them. Crazy. Right. So here's, here's a key question about this. I don't know, a million years ago, a scientist wrote in and said, Faith, I'm so sorry to tell you, because I was saying take the peels off of things that weren't organic, and at least you'd have the underside, which hadn't been sprayed. And she said, that's not how growing goes. They actually almost infuse the plant, if it's not organic, with pesticides. And so during the growing process, they spray, and then this next stage, they spray. And then she said, so the fruit inside is filled with, I'm so sorry, she said, but that's really how it works. Are you saying, Chris... That it has to be organic potatoes, no, hearing know, this story? This is or funny how because do you think I just read it? this article not that long ago when they say what is important to buy organic and what is not important to buy organic. And the two mm. things that really stuck in my head that weren't that important to buy organic were carrots and potatoes. Because they grow in the ground, and when they're spraying the the leaves, oh. right, the foliage, that's not affecting the in the ground. It's protected. Because, yeah, and it's what's in the ground is Unless, the root, and that's because we all know that they treat the ground 
with all these chemicals, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know where your food comes from. I get well, all my potatoes from local If you can afford farm. it, right? Yeah, oh well, I get God, all my potatoes so from local farms. So Robin Doyen Aiken just said into my headphones, so what are you saying? How do we eat? And I think that's a great question. I've been on the air 39 years. I have asked scientists and nutritionists this very question. Um, They say, eat more vegetables, eat more this, eat more that. And I say to them, you know, but it's sprayed with poisons. And they said, in the end, they felt, or the majority, that no matter what you eat, the fact that you're having vegetables over other things is more important or will outweigh the poison. I don't know whether that's true or not. Yeah, I, I really there, don't. I think there is a portion of your body that's designed to flush out toxins. That's Liver. The, yeah, that's what, and, and how much is the question. So when you're talking about if you're going to eat it once a week, I mean, we eat fish all the time that has mercury in it. Now, if you eat a lot of it, that builds up in your body. If you eat it once in a while, your body flushes the mercury out. It's only when you eat too much of it then... So I think if everything in moderation, then you don't have to worry about any of this. Eat organic if you can. And if you can't, this is what we have to be concerned about. Even though we're about a good time on the show, this is a great, great conversation to get into this. So as far as scraps for me, one of the things that I love to do is whenever I'm making any kind of sauce, I'm cutting the onions and I'm taking the ends of the onions, the ends of the carrots, the ends of the celery. I think for most people, they probably end up in the garbage. What I do is I put all that stuff into a freezer bag. I take the ends of my Parmesan cheese rinds. I put that into a freezer bag and I keep that there until I have a carcass of a leftover chicken Mm. or turkey. And then I make a beautiful stock with that. So How do you do that? So after we do the roasted chicken, you know, we take all the meat off of the bones. I take the carcass. I put it into a pot. I take that bag of all the frozen ends. I throw that in there. I'll put in probably just a pinch of saffron and maybe like a teaspoon Mm. of salt and black pepper. And (laughs) I'll let that just simmer overnight. Overnight? I put it on the lowest heat I can put on my stove. And I just let it cook all night long. You it makes the house smell them. delicious. I love the overnight stuff. Oh, good so dreams awesome. of paella. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm scared to go to sleep with the stove on. No. No. You know, the we benefit of stocks running no. when we were kids The benefit here. of that is if you make stock at night and then you don't keep it on the stove, you have to figure out how to deal with it before you go to bed. You have to chill it down. You know, I have a gas stove. Putting something on low overnight really does scare me. I, I'm serious about it that. I don't know. Yeah, no, that's what we have. We have gas. Okay. You have me worried now. <laughs> we'll call a check on you, Mark. Uh, oh you know, God. I was thinking, I always do Jacques Pepin's, um, I save all of my cheese rinds. So at the end of, especially the holiday season, you have a cheese drawer full of all your little like Manchego ends and blue cheese and all this stuff. They're not really pretty enough to make another plate out of, but they're they're really good melted into macaroni and cheese. Rather than buying a fancy block of brand new cheddar cheese, you go to your cheese drawer and you use all these like ugly little pieces of scraps and you make the best macaroni and cheese. First, you just take a couple tablespoons of butter in a saute pan, you melt it. It starts browning, you add a little flour. Now with a whisk, you just cook the flour for like a minute to get rid of the flour taste. Then I pour some just milk in with the whisk. I'm whisking like a cup or two of milk until you get this white 
creamy, like gravy looking white sauce. And it's all the cheese melted now off I the Now I add rinds. the cheese and all of a sudden over low heat, it just melts into this creamy, delicious white sauce. You don't really need salt because it has it, but you can add some nutmeg. You can add a little mustard, like French mustard to it. What do you do with all that? I'm going to boil some macaroni. I'm going to add my cream sauce to that beautiful macaroni, and you can eat it just like that, or you can put it into a buttered casserole pan, sort of bake it like a, a proper macaroni. And if you wanted to, you could add panko on top or potato chips on top, mm-hmm. but I actually like it just straight, gooey, gooey <laughs> out of the saucepan. But it's all those cheeses, they come together. The more you have, the better. It's you don't share life. it with anybody else, <laughs> no, do you? No, share it with Matt. Share so it with do Matt. you have to have a lot of cheese on the rind? You could supplement it. If you don't have enough, go out and buy a little cheddar cheese or whatever to supplement. But uh-huh. I end up with all these like ugly pieces of cheese ends. Mm. I don't know. Yeah. And what's, what's your cheese drawer look like? <laughs> I don't want to talk about <laughs> my cheese drawer. That's, that's personal. <laughs> that's the second place I look in Very people's personal. fridge when I go Very to their personal. personal. Sorry. First one is the, the veggie drawer <laughs> Second one is the cheese drawer. Yeah. The thing at the FBI, there's like a cheese violation section. Oh, yeah. We're all in it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm in so much trouble. Coming up, we're going to talk with Lindsay Jean Hard, who's author of Cooking with Scraps, Don't Laugh, how to turn your peels, cores, rinds, and stems into delicious meals. That's coming up next, and we'll be right back. Cornbread said, now that's all right. Meet me on the corner tomorrow night. I'm Faith Middleton. Sign up for our free podcast, a copy of the show that arrives in your inbox every single week. And it means that you can listen on your schedule, not ours. We know there are people who like to hear it right on the radio. But whatever you want to do is great with us. I'm with my treasured food buddies, Chris Prosperi, chef and co-owner of Metro Beast Restaurant in Simsbury, Connecticut, wine broker Alex Province, Mark Raymond, another wine broker, and also these two guys are totally into food. Robin Doyen Aiken is the senior producer I've been really, as you know, as we've been promoting this, this is a really fun thing for me. And here's why. Cookbooks have come out on every imaginable subject. This has been the decade, I think, of single-subject books. So there's one called Salt. And you think, really? Seriously? What is that? And then you read how salt is used in so many recipes, and you think, oh, wow, this is interesting. And here's some ideas to open up your mind to the subject. There's one called butter. 
There's one all about how baking soda is a miracle product. That one was really fun. The other day, a cookbook came into our studio office about how to cook with weed. And that's not weeds. (laughs) (laughs) That's marijuana. Um, On this show, we thought it would be fun to talk with the author of this cookbook called Cooking with Scraps. So on the cover, it says, turn your peels, cores, rinds, and stems into delicious meals. Some of you might be laughing, and I am here to tell you that this is how most restaurant chefs think, how to repurpose them, how to use them. This is how eco-conscious people think about stopping America's problem with food waste It raises questions like, is this how charitable soup kitchens think, you know, using scraps to make what they make? I'm asking you right now to keep an open mind, and let's dive into what this book is about. Our guest, Lindsay Jean Hard, uh, has a master's degree in urban planning. Oh, my God. Have I ever said how much I'm in love with urban planning? (laughs) She's got a big interest in sustainability and she has a food column in Food 52, which is one of our favorite publications. Lindsay Jean, welcome to the Food Schmooze Party. Thank you so much for having me. I wish I was there in person. It sounds like a fun crew. I know. I wish you were, too. Great to have you on the show. So we're going to talk about three recipes to start with. Thanks to you, Lindsay Jean, we are able to put these on our site, foodschmooze.org, to give you, as you listen, a taste of this cookbook. Strata is something that I tend to have every New Year's morning. So I love this. This is called Any Season Strata. Tell us about that. So the strata is one of the clean out the crisper recipes in this book. So it doesn't always necessarily have to use scraps. It's one of those recipes that's great for using any sort of odds and ends that you have. So you're starting with stale bread, and then you're throwing in other vegetables and meats and cheeses that you have on hand, and it's like a savory bread pudding. And it's even better if you make it a day ahead of time. I love strata. I always was disinterested in it, and then I had one, and I thought, oh, How many years did I spend not having this? This is just amazing. So this is any season strata using anything out of your vegetable bin. So, Chris, some of it has a little gone past its expiration date. Does that matter? You can trim. That's the cool things. Like, here's a good example, the onion. You know, if it gets a little wilty and kind of, you know, on the ends, you can cut off the bad part. And then in the center, it's still good. And I consider that to be scrap. Okay. And if it has blue as in science experiment, should we just toss it in the garbage? Uh, see, if you're, as long as you can cut it off and inside is okay, then you're good. Okay, yeah. good. So, Lindsay Jean, tell us how you make your strata and what are the scrap pieces that you would use in a recipe like this? I start with stale bread, and I work for Zingerman's Bakehouse now, so I always uh-huh. have bread on hand at home. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> So I would just, if I haven't gotten to it, I would use pieces from a day-old loaf. Otherwise, I would leave some slices out overnight to let it dry out a little bit. Uh And then I would figure out what else I'm going to add into it. So so let me just jump in and say, of course, with that bread, we're going to have eggs because that's what's going to make something like this. 
do what it does and mm-hmm. hold everything mm-hmm. together. Okay, now go ahead. You Now you're in the vegetable drawer. So I'm going to see what I have that's maybe a little bit wilty and hasn't been used for other things and cook those first. So I might saute some vegetables together and then I'd grab some cheese that I have left over and then I'd start layering. So I'd be layering the cubed stale bread and then the cheeses and vegetables or meats if you're using that and then layer again Um, and then you would pour that egg and milk mixture over it. Cover and refrigerate until you're ready to bake. So you bake that in the oven, and when you pull it out of the oven, what does it look like? Beautiful and golden and toasty on the top. Yeah, crunchy. What does it taste like in terms of all these vegetables out of the vegetable bin? Chris, you're kind of jumping up and down. It's like an omelet met French toast is the way I describe it. Oh, (laughs) oh. Right? That's such a perfect description. Don't you think, Lindsay Jean? (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Perfect, Chris. (laughs) You know, your spoon goes in past the crunchiness and then underneath it's soft. Soft bread. So kind of like a stuffing? No, it's soft, soaked. Thanksgiving stuffing. But wait, folks, it's soft, soaked hot bread. There There we go. It's like a sensual experience, this canestrata. (laughs) (laughs) Now, a lot of people will have sausage in here and all that, and that's fine. But it's possible Mm -hmm. to do a strata as you've done here in a more vegetarian way. So if you're a plant-based person, a strata can work for you, as you probably know already. And if you like meat, you can put that in too. You could put intentionally something like chorizo in here. You know, whatever you've got lying around, chop it up and throw it in. I love that she uses the vegetable crisper because whenever I go to people's houses and I'm cooking with them, there's always things in there that need to be. Yeah, like perfect in a dish like this. Wilted carrots. Yeah, use it. Okay, so you you see how (laughs) this is working with this book called Cooking with Scraps. Information about the book is on our website. We tell you how to get it, what's in it. The author is our guest, Lindsay Jean Hard. Okay, Lindsay Jean, the other one that you allowed us to have is something called, and we just ate this, Chris made this for us, brothy beans with roasted garlic and Parmesan rind. So we all have these leftover rinds Mm -hmm. from the cheese. I'm going to confess to you right now that every time I have a rind, I put it in a plastic bag and put it in my freezer. I have a lot of bags of rinds. (laughs) Do I do anything with them? No. Shame. (laughs) You will now. I'm mortified to tell you this, but now I see what I could do. And you had this. And I had this, and, and it was it delicious. To die for. The what best beans it? you'll ever have. So okay. brothy beans with roasted garlic and the rind of a Parmesan cheese. This okay. was so good. Man. Let me Salty, just tell you what's in here. Mommy. Dry, white, or you could re- use red beans. It doesn't matter. Garlic, extra virgin olive oil, an onion, the rind of the cheese, a little thyme and salt, a touch of apple cider vinegar or mm. white wine vinegar because that contrast of that acid against all the other ingredients makes a thing pop. That's why that's mm. in there. And then pepper, extra grated Parmesan cheese, mm-hmm. and you could do an asparagus and 
pesto. So you know how we all break asparagus off and there are those ends? I throw them right into the trash. And so Lindsay Jean has convinced me, oh, my God, I can use those. Oh, yeah. Mark, do you do that? No. No. <laughs> and I should. You're just, being, you're just being a good guy. I just guy. love that idea. I, isn't that something? Yeah. Okay. I hate waste. So Mark just got the book today, so he will be doing that. <laughs> yeah. So, Lindsay Jean, let me ask you, you know the parts we break off of the asparagus? What do we do with yeah. them to make them usable? They're fibrous, but they still have that great asparagus flavor in them. So you could be adding them to stocks, and you could dedicate a whole thing of stock to them. So you can create an asparagus-flavored stock that then you could use for asparagus soup or asparagus risotto. Exactly. But you can also use them to make pesto. Oh, true confessions. So I didn't have asparagus, but I wanted to do something kind of inspired by the book. We had a party, and we made an arugula salad. And the arugula salad had Parmesan pine nuts, a garlic dressing, and one of my chefs made way too much salad. And as I was looking at the recipe for this, I thought, you know what? This is going to be in the vein of this book. I took that salad. I crammed it in a food processor. I added a little more lemon juice and some Parmesan cheese and olive oil, and I made arugula pesto. And you didn't wow. know, wasn't it a good zingy wow. pesto? It this? was incredible. So, Lindsay Jean, um, Chris <laughs> is inspired by what you do using these scraps. And I don't know how many pounds of salad I have thrown out. And now I'm thinking, because of you, I can do something with that. Into you plastic know, bags I could use in the it, freezer. Yeah. I could use it in a strata. <laughs> mm-hmm. I could use it in this bean thing. Okay, so go ahead. Tell me about this recipe. This one was inspired by Meryl Stubbs. I worked for mm-hmm. uh, Food 52 for six years. She's one of the co-founders, and she has yeah. a recipe on her site that I love. And I just wanted to strip it down a little bit and make it a little bit uh, more simple and vegetarian. So it really it doesn't have a ton of ingredients in it. It's just simple things that are really elevated by that Parmesan rind. It makes it so, like, delicious. So, Lindsay Jean, tell me how, as people are listening, they're probably asking, because you're focusing on asparagus ends, and you're saying they can be something. So how do you treat the asparagus, which is very fibrous, and then continue to make it a pesto? I'm cooking the asparagus ends first just to get them cooked through, and I'm charring them to give them a little extra flavor. Where, where are you doing that, in a frying pan, or how are you charring them? Skillet. Skillet. Yep. And then I'm really finely chopping them because a food processor will shred those cooked ends, and it won't chop it finely enough. Then from there, I toss everything in the food processor and blend it all together. That sounds awesome. I mostly get the pencil ones. That I thought you were supposed to eat the whole thing, but maybe these are the thicker ones, right, that we're well, talking about. Well, years ago, Jacques Pepin was on the show, and I asked him something about asparagus, and he's so brilliant at what he does. And he said, no, 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 you don't want thin asparagus. Asparagus is asparagus. He said, so you want the most of it you can have. You want thick, fat asparagus. So now when it's too thin, I don't buy it. When it's fat, I buy it. And, you know, and here you are, Lindsay Jean, saying, and you can use the whole bit of it. It's really a great idea. Okay, this next one is also on our website, foodschmooze.org. The name of the book is Cooking with Scraps. 
Turn your peels, cores, rinds, and stems into delicious meals because if you treat them well, they have the flavor and also sometimes more powerful flavor than the main plant itself. You know, I find that with cilantro stems. Okay, but here's a recipe, dill pickle brine potato salad. Ooh, oh, man. I love dill and Is potatoes. Is that a really kind of Two of my good, favorite things. Isn't that dill a good potatoes? idea? Yeah. Okay, so quickly, baby potatoes, chopped scallions, the brine from dill pickles, which you probably have bought in a jar. Some people make them. Uh, mayonnaise, whole grain mustard, prepared horseradish, chopped fresh dill, salt, and pepper. Okay, Lindsay Jean, how did you think of this dill pickle brine potato salad? Well, dill pickle brine is just an amazing ingredient to have on hand for lots of different things. It's just amped up vinegar, so it makes a great dish brightener for a number of things. I also really like it in Bloody Mary's. Um, you can use it in Ooh. marinades or salad dressings. That's uh, awesome. I'm going to do that in my Bloody Mary's. <laughs> no, it's really oh, awesome. Martinis. And pickle martinis, no, but, that is good. But wait a minute. We're so let's think about what's in twist. dill pickle brine that would make all these things that Lindsay Jean has mentioned better than they are in the way we make them. What is it in brine that does that? Will they be fuller, richer, deeper? Yes. <laughs> yes. <Okay. laughs> all right. So a lot of times people will start their potato salads by sprinkling the cooked potatoes with vinegar. And so this is really just a similar idea, just a little bit more flavorful, because once the potatoes are still warm and you're sprinkling them with the dill pickle brine, yeah. it's soaking into those warm potatoes and just flavoring them from the inside out. And then you're going ahead with your pretty traditional potato salad recipe, but they're just a little, have a little something special. Mm. Okay, in the book, though we don't have this on the website, it turns out that cantaloupe is one of my favorite fruits. And so I saw this in your book and I thought, what? Because when I cut my cantaloupe out of the skin, there's pulp in there and I throw that skin away. So she has come up with this recipe, cantaloupe pulp overnight oats with lemon and blueberries. This blew my mind. So rolled oats, the um, seedy. Now, this is the seed part. I was talking about Crazy. the outside skin. I mean, of course, I'm not going to do... All that stuff in the middle. I am not going to do anything with that. <laughs> it's like boom, 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 with not a, an unless ounce of regret. It's going into my draft. into the garbage. Okay, so this has, in addition to that, cashew milk, hemp seeds, that's optional, chia seeds, lemon zest, vanilla extract, salt, blueberries, and honey. Is this like an oatmeal? It is like an oatmeal. With okay. the seeds? You're separating the seeds from the pulp. So it's, you're uh, just using the pulp from the center. Mm -hmm. But then you're mixing that with the other ingredients. I mean, it's just like the cantaloupe flesh. It's just we're not used to eating the pulp. And I think that's the case with a lot of the scraps, that we assume that it's somehow less desirable. But mm -hmm. that's not really the case at all. And how do you separate the seeds from that pulp in the center? Because that is a delicious—it's too bad you can't drink it. So here you're finding a use for that. How do you separate those seeds out of that pulp in the center of a cantaloupe? 
I just dumped the whole thing into a big measuring cup or a bowl and used my fingers to pick out the seeds. Huh. Like could it. you put it in a, Could you put it in a strainer? Yeah, or? and then just sort of push it but through. But then, yeah. Chris, no, you just work. get juice, right? No, you get the pulp, too. If it's a big enough holes, you got to just get one that the holes are big enough for the pulp but not too big that the seeds go mm. through. Okay. Mm. And the pulp is yeah. sweet and flavorful? Yes. And then you put it all together with the oats and these other seasonings. You drizzle, once it's all together in a bowl, the oats and all this stuff, there are blueberries in there, and then you top it with a drizzle of honey. I mean, that is amazing as a thing. It's just a really easy breakfast that's a make-ahead, and then it's ready to go in the morning. How do you heat it up? Overnight oats are generally eaten cold. Right. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Sounds good, actually. Refreshing, right? Yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm almost thinking. Nice summary breakfast. Yeah. Sounds could good. you could you put this into like um, Mark Raymond, like a one pot, or you know these new one pots, and like set it up uh, the night before, put the timer on it, like and an have it ready pot for the morning. Or yeah, an instant slow pot. cooker. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, I think so. I might choose a different flavor profile to do that, but yeah, I think so. Okay. I like the cold. It sounds pretty good. Yeah, it does actually. sounds really delicious. So, Lindsay Jean Hard, author of Cooking with Scraps, this is a book about how to turn your peels, cores, rinds, and stems into delicious meals. Thank you so much for being with us. You inspired a whole conversation on the show, and I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you so much for having me. This was fun. Thank you. We love the local. Please support your local food growers and food makers. And we'll be right back. is the Food Schmooze Party, offering the richness of life and coming to you in Connecticut, Rhode Island, Massachusetts, and New York, including Westchester County, the east end of Long Island, that includes the Hamptons. The senior producer is Robin Doyen Aiken. And to hear this show on Connecticut Public Radio, it airs Thursdays at 3 and 9, and Saturdays at noon, as many of you know. Podcasts and our curated recommendations are always online at foodschmooze.org. There is this group that we heard about. We wanted to open the segment with this because I think this is really important, everybody. It's this place called the Louise Earl Loomis Children's Wellness Center. That is really quite a moniker, but that's what it's called. What's the purpose? Well, Their idea is to combat obesity, especially among minority populations in the greater Hartford area. So what did they do, thanks to Louise Earl Loomis? They set up this great demonstration kitchen because there is nothing like watching things be made 
and seeing how you use simple ingredients to make something that is enlivening, delicious, and enriching to your body. So that's what they do because they want to improve the health outcomes and all. So they wrote to us, they explained what they do, and we all said, oh, we have to have them on the show. So no matter where you're listening from, this doesn't just happen in inner cities. This happens in every town. Anyway, let's see what happens with this. This is Patrick Byrne, and he's one of the directors at the Family Life Education portion of this place. So welcome to the Food Schmooze, Patrick. Thank you, Faith, and thank you for having me on. If you live in a different area or don't know about what you do, maybe you are in the Hartford area, but you still don't know that you folks exist, what are we seeing when we walk in the door? What are our donations paying for? What's the deal? When you walk into the Children's Wellness Center, you see this wonderful demonstration kitchen. It's about 1,200 square feet, and it's got all the latest and greatest kitchen gadgets for (laughs) For someone who's never seen a kitchen before, and it's great for even a professional chef that might walk through the door and say, okay, I need to make this for you. I've got the tools right in my right in my own kitchen for you. Wow. And what are you trying to do with that demonstration kitchen? Some of your clients, if not many, don't have kitchens like this. So what are you trying to demonstrate? Correct. We're trying to demonstrate that you can make a nutritious, healthy meal without all these tools. Yes, we have them, but we show you how to make it even with just a hot plate. The real question is why? Why are you doing this? What are you interested in? Well, the major problem in Hartford right now, as we see it, is childhood obesity, particularly among vulnerable, underserved populations. It's at a staggering 32% in Hartford. Mm. That is down 5% from a few years ago, but 32% is just way too high for any, any city and really any place in America. Um, And so we are trying to equip families with the tools and lessons they need to give their children healthier lives at home and in school. Mm. And so if anybody doubts that the food you're putting in your body affects things, listen to the numbers that Patrick Byrne is talking about in terms of illness. We're totally into what you're doing. Do people resist you at all? Do they say, but, you know, this is my Aunt Mary's recipe or my mom or tell us how that works? No, not at all. In fact, we've had quite the opposite. People are lining up to collaborate with us because Mm -hmm. we're one of the only facilities like this around. We've got it's a 1,200 square foot demonstration kitchen and you touched on the health issues. One of the things we are most proud of is that on a, a weekly to bi-weekly basis, we have the residents from Connecticut Children's Medical Center come in and do the cooking demonstrations for the families. Wow. So that I love that they place. Are, they are giving them options and teaching them, okay, maybe you, you have these fruits and vegetables or staples at home, and perhaps this is just a new way to cook these items. Maybe... Mm-hmm. You're cooking them in a certain oil when you can be using a less, um, mm-hmm. maybe a, a more healthy option. Yeah. Do you find that people can afford that, the switch up that you're recommending? There's only so much you can afford. I've been part of these studies where if you try to eat on what SNAP recipients receive, by the end of the month, you can't even afford 
a sweet potato. Generally speaking, we find that what we are presenting are options for families. And we think that we not only provide these lessons, but we also provide resources where they can Mm. get the means to afford these options. We do a lot of basic human needs issues. We work with a number of organizations, including FoodShare and a number of others, dozens of others, that provide resources to obtain the things to get your family on the right direction of health and a great future. Alex Province. Is it a challenge to compete against like a fast food burger? Because those do, they're designed to taste good. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, we definitely get that challenge. But we find that people, and especially many of our clients, love presentation. When you go into a fast food, you don't, you don't get the presentation. And it's sort of fun to interact and learn and be You're saying plating food. I can do that. Hmm. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds to me empowering to watch this and to make people feel, I'm doing this for my child because, oh my God, we all know what it's like to love your kids or or the young kids in your family. Oh, you would do anything to make them thrive. And of course, these parents are feeling the same way. But here's another part, everybody on the show. I wanted to tell you that this is Patrick Byrne. He's director of development at the Louise Earl Loomis Children's Wellness Center in the greater Hartford area. They're on Charter Oak Avenue in Hartford, Connecticut. But here's the thing. If you're smart about how you do this, you know, what used to happen in the old days was that, you know, now's the time of partnering. Everybody would do their individual thing in the regions of Connecticut. And you know, you'd find out you need somebody else. So now people are getting smart about that and they're partnering. So Louise Earl Loomis Children's Wellness Center has partnered with other organizations and these organizations add on to what they're doing. I'm talking about an early learning program for infants and toddlers, how to educate parents about how to talk with their infants and toddlers, testing for the fine motor skills and other developmental milestones for kids. So they teach them about that. Then they teach them how to engage in these practices at home that would support a child's learning and development. You can imagine parents under stress and under-resourced would be so enveloped by their circumstances and their jobs or multiple jobs that they wouldn't be thinking about this. And so here's an organization partnering with them to say, here's how under your stress you can still do this. Obviously, nutritional cooking, as we've just discussed. Can you use your little patch of yard, if you have one, to do some gardening where you could grow some stuff? You know, even herbs that are quite healthy. Tomatoes. Yeah. Yeah. How to get access for your child's dental screenings, health screenings for these adults, meaning mobile mammography. Fresh food is so much more expensive. They're helping them to gain access to that. Even physical strengthening like yoga, tumbling, and general movement for, for these parents and their kids. Can you imagine doing that together? Honestly, 
This is so phenomenal. So good. In the city of Hartford, I think everybody should follow you, Patrick. Um, Thank you. Yeah, no, thank you for working on what you work on. This is Patrick Byrne. He is Director of Development. It's called Family Life Education, but the name of the place is the Louise Earl. And wow, do I want to meet her because of what she's Mm -hmm. funding. The Louise Earl Loomis Children's Wellness Center in Hartford on Charter Oak Avenue. I know just where that is. I grew up in Hartford, so I'm just thrilled about what you're doing. And I know everybody here knows where that is. We're just cheering you on, Patrick. Say hi to everybody. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you to Louise Earl Loomis. And thank you especially to these parents who are showing up because despite whatever their resources are, they care about their kids. Thank you, Faith. Thank you, Patrick. I love that. I want to go teach there. I'd love to go over there and experience it and see what they're teaching and see how I can share that message because... We talk about it at the family dinner table all the time. I'm sure we all kind of share that same feeling that good food for our society to eat. You can't always afford going to farmer's markets and things like that. But there are ways. And here that's what they seem to be doing. And that's what they're doing here, which is incredible. Incredible. Faith, like you were saying, it's so helpful later in life, like just eating properly, starting from a young age, prevents so many issues that are chronic problems for the rest of people's lives. And it's the right thing to do on so many levels. If you can afford it, right? Well, I mean, I think it's all of our responsibility and duty to make sure that our brothers and sisters are eating properly. And can afford it because food is for everybody. And can afford it. Mm -hmm. Food should be for everybody. Very interested in what the folks are doing at the Louise Earl Loomis Children's Wellness Center in Hartford, Connecticut on Charter Oak Avenue. Interested to know if you are doing something like this in your community in Connecticut or the region we broadcast in. Let us know at Faith Middleton Fluchmoos on Facebook. We're on Connecticut Public Radio Thursdays at 3 and 9 p.m. and Saturdays at noon. I hope on weekdays you'll listen for my 60-second Fluchmooses and never eat more than you can lift. In New Haven, I'm Faith Middleton. Hey, don't want the party to end? Well, neither do we. Talk with us anytime online at foodschmooze.org.